to this podcast. I'm your host, Jan van der Hogen of Deka Immobilien Investment, based in Frankfurt, Germany. And I'm hosting this podcast on behalf of Renews.media. Renews.media is a real estate news and marketing platform covering all of Europe. On the website www.renews.media, you'll find tons of top-class information and you can sign up for the newsletter so you won't miss out on anything. Renews.media is proud to announce this first of a number of interesting podcasts. Podcasts that will take a deep dive in our real estate industry, covering a wide range of relevant market topics by various experts in the field. The first series of podcasts covers the logistics market, which has become a kind of everybody's darling with regards to the real estate investment industry. Podcasts will be broadcasted every two weeks. In this first podcast from Renews.media, I'm proud to introduce Kevin Moffat of Savills, UK-based. He's a renowned industrial and logistics researcher, and if I may say so, Kevin, a key market commentator. He has produced a number of landmark reports on the real estate implications of waste management and recycling, and if I recall correctly, also on warehouses of the future. So I think he can give us some unique insights into the hottest market in real estate, being, of course, the logistics and industrial market. So, Kevin, yeah, a very warm welcome to you. And I hope I didn't exaggerate with my introduction. Uh, please give our listeners a few words on yourself and your company before we start with all the burning questions I have for you. Perfect. Thank you very much, and thank you for the invitation to to speak on this uh, on this podcast. Um, I uh, head up industrial and logistics research for Savills uh, in the UK and across Europe. Uh, I've I've been talking and writing about warehouses now for fifteen or so years, and frankly, fifteen years ago, nobody wanted to speak to me. Um, and now um, I get invited to all sorts of events across Europe and to take part in uh, events like this. Savills, um, we have a team of well over 100 logistics real estate experts all across uh, Europe, um, advising people on their investment strategies, their development strategies, their occupational strategies, anything to do with logistics real estate we can help you with. Um, I have a huge amount of data at my disposal, and that helps me um, uh, give advice on on what's going on. And hopefully we'll probably, well, I, I imagine we'll get into some of that data as we go through this podcast now. Thank you. Thank you very much for your information and your introduction. And I do recognize I've got a deja vu uh, feeling uh, what you said about um, people that don't want to speak to you because logistics wasn't sexy at all. Uh, in my 30 years of logistics experience, uh, I had the same kind of discussions with the people and now I'm the most beloved one within the investment market. So uh, hopefully you're also the most beloved researcher. Um, okay, I want to fire up some questions for you and uh, see how far we can get uh, today. And the first one is uh, a bit of a geopolitical and supply chain disruptive kind of question. 
Um, there are there is of course now the the. What I really want to know is uh, I'm a bit curious about your opinion on the influence of the invasion of Russia in the Ukraine. And for me, some key take takeaways are the crippled Silk Road. That's that's really a kind of thing that uh, now uh, influences uh, complete supply chains everywhere. And the EU sanctions package, what's, uh, what's in place, stagnant supplies, what we see, restricted air car cargo, disrupted supply chains, etc. For me, it's a real headwind what is happening now in the market. And uh, we also see that partly leads to really sky-high inflation rates around the globe and declining consumer confidence. Um, I also see a lot of build costs increase and project timescales running really out of their timeframes. So how would you describe this, this, this impact of this war on the logistics sector? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a, a great question to to get the ball rolling. And, you know, we I think the first thing to say is we have to acknowledge the the human tragedy of of what is unfolding, um, you know, on, on the border of, of Europe. Um, I think for me, the the biggest impact relates to the consumer. And two things really are consumer confidence and inflation. Um, you, you mentioned in your question things about the, the the Silk Road and and various other disruption to supply chains. I I'm reasonably relaxed about those because what we have seen over the last two years in relation particularly to COVID and the way supply chains have been disrupted is that ultimately supply chains find a way to operate in, in times of, of uh, supply chain disruption. Um, <clears throat> I guess the last two years has made supply chain resilience uh, a topic across boardrooms ac across the world. So, the fact that we now have another big supply chain problem means that companies are at least well-placed to know how to react to those problems. However, I mentioned inflation and um, consumer confidence. If we look at in the inflation rates across, across Europe, um, the, the biggest driver of inflation um, is the energy price. If we look at the UK, three quarters of the inflation that we're experiencing is directly related to the price of energy. So that was a situation that was already in motion pre the war in Ukraine, but the the situation in Ukraine has has hugely amplified that that particular problem with with energy um it would seem to me that until we have a you know a reasonable resolution to the situation in ukraine high energy prices is is something that we are going to have to learn to live with um and 
that obviously is going to have a uh, an impact into how much people can spend and the same is true about consumer confidence um we've seen you know indicators for consumer confidence across the world plummet over the last um three to four months since the uh, invasion started if we consider the impact on the logistics property market well 60 percent of demand based upon the long-term average relates to the retail sector in some way shape or form so if we consider that you know consumers are going to be spending less um how will that impact the, the logistics real estate market moving forward um History would tell us that we would expect to see a period of lower demand for warehousing because people are spending less, their companies have less capital to spend on projects and so on. However, the other way of potentially looking at things is to say, well, actually, the the last two years and now the situation in Ukraine, supply chain resilience is much more important than it used to be. So one of the ways to have a more resilient supply chain is to hold more inventory um, because that allows you to smooth out volatility. Um, So you could suggest that the, the situation that we now find ourselves in could trigger a period of higher warehouse demand so there's a lot of things that are are playing the equation is not simple it's definitely not as simple as it used to be um and it's all coming together but i think you know to go back to the very start of your question you know clearly the situation we are now in is is not great for consumers and ultimately that won't be a positive impact for the market yeah, that's clear. And you trigger me a bit with your uh, your answer because um, I, I do understand that you say if you want to make supply chains more resilient, you need to have more stock. That's something that's inevitably uh, bind to um, to resilience. But if I now look at another discussion we have in the market, which is by all means mainly taking place in the European warehouse market is the fact that many governments and and also citizens, of course, are opposed to a further expansion of logistics buildings. In in many cases, no more plots are released for warehouses, for instance. Um, The usual objections are such as, yeah, the the warehouses disfigure the landscape, uh, there's pollution, there's noise, there's stench, all these things are put forward as arguments. As a result, do you see the supply chains at risk? And is there a real danger that by refusing granting land banks for logistics buildings, supplies and socioeconomic well-being of the people will be endangered? Because um, you say they need to be more resilient. That means I need to have more stock. If I have more stock, I have bigger warehouses. And that's, that's a problem in the market nowadays that isn't solved very easily if you look at the way a government and the public opinion uh, looks towards logistics buildings. Yeah, it's it's a very, again, a, a, a brilliant question because 
the ramifications of of the answer uh, are relevant to economies. They're relevant to governments. They're relevant to consumers, and they're relevant to the property industry. Um, I think the the days of logistics developers simply saying, "Well, look, we're we're going to deliver." Uh, you know, a huge amount of jobs and please give consent to our development. Those days are over. Um, you know, the the unemployment rates across many countries in Europe are, are not as high as they were. And municipalities are saying, you know, actually, we don't necessarily need this development anymore. We want to concentrate on, on other types of employment. Um, so I think it's it's incumbent on the logistics real estate industry to to talk about you know the other benefits that that warehouse development brings. Um, we've just done a paper uh, in the UK with um, the British Property Federation, and we've we've looked at some of the social and environmental uh, benefits that that logistics development can bring. But not only that, we've also looked at some of the ways that logistics development can unlock land for other types of development, in particular residential development. Um, Because actually, you know, if you put in the infrastructure for logistics development, that allows you to unlock land that that could be used for housing, which is another key pressure for for municipalities across the continent. So I think, you know, my message really is to the entire industry that we have to move the debate about logistics development away from just jobs. You know, we have to talk about the the other benefits that the that this development can can bring. Um, and that, you know, that means more sensible discussions, more open dialogue, um, more understanding um, of, of people away from logistics real estate about about what this development brings. Now, in the short to medium term, that's not a problem that's going to be solved easily. And probably what it means for logistics developers and investors is that the supply of warehousing is going to be at a very low level for a very long time. And if you go back to a survey we did last year, it was our first European logistics census, um, which was a joint project with Tritax Eurobox. And we asked uh, over 400 occupiers of warehouse space, what was your number one problem, uh, excluding COVID-19? Mm-hmm. And then the number one problem for occupiers of warehouse space was the lack of warehouse space, the lack of supply. So, you know, you've got big multinational companies, big multinational retailers, big multinational manufacturers saying, do you know what? Our, our biggest problem is the lack of warehouse space. So that, you know, is is not a good thing. But for, for developers and landlords, actually, again, there's a silver lining here because if the supply is low, the vacancy is low and demand is high, that should mean rents continue to rise. 
Yeah, okay. I, I totally agree uh, on that, although uh, it will be a, a hard case to convince all the municipalities and the governments in this world that logistics does matter. Um, um, I think all the guys want to have in the morning their beautiful breakfast with fresh baked bread and uh, their orange juice, etc. But you still need logistics for that. And that, that brings me to another part because um, um, there are a lot of, um, of, 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 of things, of matters going on in the logistics market. For instance, take uh, due to COVID-19, um, the real boost of online penetration. So let's say um, there are um, these, these requirement levels of the e-commerce guys are continuously rising. Uh, I think in the Savills research, um, by the way, I must compliment you with your research. It's very good. Uh, I found that there's a clear inflection point in the statistics where rapid occupier demand for logistic spaces occur. It's a bit what you just said. There's there's a, a, an ongoing demand and there's still no uh, no supply to uh, to cover this demand. Um, if I now look at e-commerce and I see what... I think the online retail in the short term will be doubling every year. You see it now happening. It's a, it's a two-digit figure every year. And um, and they, they, they need to have uh, uh, an increasing quantity of stock. They need to reshore to mitigate risks, etc. And is it even possible that next to all the problems the housing market for uh, logistics already faces, that e-commerce can satisfy its hunger for more XXL warehouses, these so-called big boxes? Because that's that's a problem on an entirely other level for uh, the municipalities and the governments. Yeah, I mean, it's... Again, the online retail piece is is very interesting because it's it's been in the news quite a bit over the last uh, month or so um, with with the results from Amazon and the uh, the growth in online retail being not as aggressive as it has been over the last two years. So, if we just address a couple of these points. Um, I think what's 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 interesting about the growth of online is that if you look at the some of the mainstream press and some of the financial analysts, you know they're making year-on-year comparisons um, with you know with 2021, which in in most of the world was you know a lockdown year. Um, so we're saying, well, okay, so online retail growth hasn't been as high as it was, you know over the last 12 months well of course it's not because you know people are going out and doing things and um behaving in a in a slightly different way than they would have been during a lockdown year um i think you know we we have to accept that there's going to be a period of peculiar reporting now because of covid-19 but I think, you know, I would ask you and I would ask, you know, the listeners to this podcast, um, you know, where do you see your own online spending heading over the next, you know, five to 10 years? Are, are, you know, are you personally going to spend more or less online? Um, I know which way I'm going. And if we look at the forecasts um, 
from Forrester. Um, we we use um, a data provider, um, and they they forecast for Western Europe that online retail was going to be twenty five percent of all retail by twenty twenty five. Now. Okay, you know, that forecast was produced in 2021 before we had the situation with the Ukraine, inflation, energy, et cetera, et cetera. Um, okay, so we might not get to 25% by 2025. Maybe it'll be 2027, 2028. Either way, it's a huge jump from where we were pre COVID. Um, and it's a huge jump even from where we are now. So the demand for warehouse space is is going to grow dramatically because of the online retail growth. Now, part of that will come from from the likes of Amazon and and, and other pure play retailers. Part of that will come from um, uh, existing incumbent retailers who are competing with Amazon and upgrading their supply chains. Part of that will come from packaging companies and logistics companies and the whole ecosystem that goes with it. But yes, you know, again, going back to the very start of the question, um, our research found, and we used the UK as a case study, we, we, we looked at the level of online retail growth and when the demand for warehouse space started to rise dramatically. And we found it was 2012 in the UK um, where the demand for warehouse space started to grow year on year. And, and that was when we got to 11% online retail. Um, and some of our colleagues, some of our clients said, actually, Kevin, you know, we, we're not sure we agree with this research. You know, the UK is a very different uh, economy. It performs differently. It's a different market. Um, we're not sure how you know how this can be applied across Europe. And interestingly enough, um, since we produced that research, a number of countries have got to that eleven percent tipping point, and they are now experiencing this this surge in demand. So, in many ways, we feel quite vindicated that this research you know has has proven to be correct. Um, the problem for 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 mainland Europe is that in the UK back in 2012, we had a vacancy rate of 12%. In in mainland Europe now, the vacancy rate is three and a half percent. So you're getting this this double whammy of rising demand. Um but but the vacancy is already at this this historically low level. So again, you know what what happens when you've got high vacancy? Sorry, high demand and low vacancy. Rents rise. Yeah, yeah completely agree with you. Um, and I do think your research uh, at that time was uh, was was very okay. Um, and of course, if you look at a worldwide uh, consequence of ever increasing e-commerce, um, taking into account that. Uh, at least that's the prediction. Uh, within uh, within a few decades, seventy percent of the people worldwide will live in cities. We will even face uh, a, a more horrible scenario, and that's 
how you can uh, how you can as being logistics uh, the logistics uh, uh, 3pls and the the service providers how can you ever get uh, a, a good functional uh, supply chain into uh, into these let's say mega cities that 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 come around cities that have 10 20 30 40 million people living in it and um, that will even increase the demand uh, more, I think. Uh, or do you think that the supply chain and the logistics market is able of getting within the, the current state of their supply chains and the way they have them now organized, that they will be able to also answer to that question? Because next to these rising e-commerce that you, uh, that, that what is really true what you said, um, we also have the prediction that these cities will grow larger and larger and larger. So for me, so the question always is, what do you need to, for instance, let's say you're an investor, what do you need to do? What can you do to support the supply chains to, 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 to get this challenge done? Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I agree with you. I mean, this, this is a, you know, all of the forecasts suggest that the rate of urbanization will increase. Um, all again, all of the forecasts suggest that the rate of online retail will increase. And I think it was research from Prologis that that suggested that you know logistics real estate is the real estate that supports modern life and. And, you know, and this this is the point, really, that you only ever really hear about logistics when when something goes wrong. You know, log logistics is is in the background, making sure everything happens smoothly. And and obviously, over the last two years, a lot of things have gone wrong and a lot of things are, are going to continue to go wrong because of the situation that we find ourselves in with, with COVID, you know, the, the situation in, in Shanghai, um, the situation in Ukraine and, and, and so on. So, so logistics is going to be more and more in the news um, and, and so on. Going back to your point about urbanization, well, we only have so much land within cities and ultimately you have to intensify the the use of of that land um across europe there have been a, a few examples of intensified warehouse space seagrow in paris um have, have built a multi-story warehouse facility we have a number of examples in germany as was well um but we haven't really seen you know the um the development of multi-story warehouse space in the same way that we have in uh, in in Asian markets, you know, Hong Kong and, and Singapore and, and Tokyo. Um, for me, that multi-story development in Europe is is an inevitability. Um, people will say, "Oh well, you know, the build costs are too high, the rents uh, don't meet the 
the the need you know for, uh, for the justification on on the appraisal and so on well you know i i did some work on this with our hong kong office and we we looked at the conditions in asia um that led to multi-story warehouse development and three things were were important um rising populations well we have that in europe uh rising land values yes we have that too um and the third uh biggest point was policy intervention and so the local authorities in asia said well look guys if you're going to build a warehouse on this piece of land it has to be multi-story so there was no option um and i think in europe we are on the cusp of local authorities and local municipalities saying actually you know we we have to intensify the the use of the land mm. and and when that happens which it will it may not be this year it may not be by 2030 it, you know but it but it will eventually happen the the developers will simply have to work out what to do because it will be forced upon them. Um, there won't be any more debate. It, you know, the only option will be to go up. Now, you know, I, I took part in another podcast uh, last year and um, somebody on the, on the podcast panel disagreed with me when I said it was an inevitability. Um, well, look, you know, I think, I think it is. And, uh, and I said it on that podcast and I'll say it again on this podcast, you know, I think we will see multi-story development across Europe at some point in my career. Now, I'm 40 years old this year. So, you know, that, that gives us a long time horizon for this to happen. But I think it's an, an inevitability in my career. And that innovation has to come because of exactly the reasons you said in your uh, opening question here. Um, you know, urbanization is going to continue and logistics real estate supports urbanization. So what do you do? Yeah, 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 I totally agree with you. And um, it, indeed, uh, a lot of research that you read nowadays definitely talk about multi-story buildings. And although perhaps uh, urbanization will go not that fast as everybody predicts, still land prices are skyrocketing at the moment so um it, for a developer there are no 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 other considerations he can take into account to not go into multi-story but we will see it in the end let's say i'm a bit older than you are so uh, um, my time my horizon is a bit uh, closer to me but uh, in the end i will i will i believe that i will see uh, Everywhere in Europe, multi-story buildings. The other, the, the the other point I want to make on this, you know, some some local planners say, well, we don't want to go up, we we want to go down, you know, because again, you made the, you made a point in your previous question about you know the the aesthetic uh, of the building, you know, and actually rather than having a big tall warehouse, let's 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 go underground. Um, which is a nice idea in theory, um, but if you think it's expensive to build up, um, just think how expensive it is to go down. And you know, so again, the 
the viability of these things uh, isn't really there uh, to go down. Exactly. Uh, totally agree with you. Um, uh, I hope I uh, I may uh, uh, may ask you a last question, and that it that's because I saw in your Savills research that you also uh, uh, took a look at the influence of these uh, so-called ESG objectives that you see now on the one hand getting into the supply chain so um, the logistics providers uh, uh, make it a kind of uh, directive for them and investors on the other side also need to comply with all kind of ESG ruling that they get from the government or that they uh, put on them themselves um, I hope every listener to this podcast knows what the abbreviation ESG stands for. So uh, it's environment, social and governance. Um, and um, I really like to hear your opinion. Uh, do you think that these factors will be predominant for investment selections uh, in, 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 in the nearby future? Yeah. And I think, you know, the... One thing that I just want to start with here, again, going back to the survey we did with Tritax Eurobox, um, we asked um, investors how important ESG was to their investment criteria. And it, it came very high up the, the agenda of, of considerations. We asked the same question to occupiers and uh, it actually came surprisingly low down the agenda. And it would seem at the moment that there was a, a mismatch between the, the stakeholders. Um, we're doing this survey again um, over the summer, uh, this summer of 2022. And I suspect that we'll see a very, very different picture from the occupiers because if we go back to the very first question of this podcast about the price of energy, um, that is going to have a huge impact um, on the type of real estate that people want to uh, occupy. And actually, if, if the real estate you occupy can help you reduce your cost of occupation, if it can if it can help you uh, charge your electric vehicles, um, if it can reduce the you know, the costs of uh, you know of, of of doing business, then I suspect we are going to see a huge surge in the demand for Grade A um, buildings that have ESG features. Um, above and beyond what the regulations suggest, so I think um, I think I think that's where things are heading. And you, you again, if you if we talk about the unintended consequences of certain events, you know the the situation in Ukraine uh, means you know the the price of energy has 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 been amplified. And that that now means that the entire, you know, the the occupier base has now got this focus on on how the cost of energy is impacting their business. So again, you know, it's 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 one of those tailwinds 
sorry, it's it's one of those headwinds that potentially could be a tailwind because it's going to drive people to better quality warehouse space. Yeah, what would be a good case because that would also increase the possibility of acceptance by the municipalities and the government. So um, <laughs> that, yeah. that would be a nice one. Well, yeah, Kevin, I think we can talk for hours, but yeah, even the most informative podcasts sometimes come to an end. Um, um, I want to thank you very much for your contribution and for sharing all the valuable insights you have in the market and that you share them with us, the listeners. And uh, I'm sure that our listeners, armed with all the knowledge you just provided, will take considered next steps in the supply chains and building investments. Um, I wish you good business. And hopefully until next time in one of our podcasts to be able to share your valuable knowledge once again with us. That would be very nice. I'd be delighted to take part again. And thank you, Jan, for your you know, uh, knowledgeable and insightful questions. Thank you. Thank you. And then before we sign off on this very interesting podcast, um, I once again like to remind you, uh, our listeners, to subscribe to the newsletter of Renews.media. In addition, I would also like to point you to the following podcasts in this series. Um, they will be uh, on a two-weekly basis uh, broadcasted by Renews.media. And last but not least, in the first quarter of 2023, we will organize the Relogistics Europe 2023 live event. And stay tuned, please, to us to learn more of this amazing happening. Uh, I can already tell you now that you will regret it if you miss out on this event. Um, once again, thank you all for your attention. Renews.media says goodbye to you and hopefully until next podcast. <laughs>